Welcome to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. We're your hosts, Tim and Ruth Olson, licensed marriage and family therapists and trauma experts. We provide wisdom for personal growth and healthy relationships. Stick with us and you'll gain practical tools and insights that will help you be a healthier and happier you. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're very excited to bring you part four of our series on imposter syndrome. If you haven't already, join our Facebook group and you can find it in our show notes below. If you haven't listened to the previous episodes, they're also going to be in the show notes below. And let's jump right in. So now let's talk about some of the things that we can do to mitigate the sense or feeling of imposter syndrome. And the first one is to just acknowledge that you have it, that you have these thoughts and feelings that are diminishing your accomplishments or that are making you feel inadequate in these areas. Because if you don't accept that that is a part of what's happening to you right now, then obviously you're not going to move forward with the next steps to try to challenge that. So just coming to this conclusion, okay, you know what? I do struggle with that. I do have some of those different aspects of imposter syndrome, and I can see how I have used that as a way to diminish myself. Step number two to overcome imposter syndrome is to share your feelings. Find a supportive friend or group that you can really share and discuss what you're experiencing. Because remember that a lot of high-achieving individuals are facing this. And so I think as you begin to share your feelings, you'll recognize that other people are also experiencing the same thing. And you might be surprised at who in your life you thought is not experiencing this or has never experienced this, how they might be experiencing this or at some point have experienced this. And so that's one of the things that we see in therapy a lot is someone will come in with this deep, dark secret that they think no one else has experienced, and there's a lot of shame and guilt around it. And that if it got out, that everybody would reject you or run away screaming and crying. Right, and they'd feel so appalled at whatever you just shared. But then they share it, and it's so cool to be able to sit in session with them and just normalize what they're experiencing. Because a lot of times our deep, dark secrets is causing our sicknesses because of the shame and the guilt that comes with it. And that feeling that if anybody knew, like Tim said, they'd run away or they wouldn't want to be my friend or be in touch with me anymore or be in business with me anymore. But then as they share whatever it is that they're feeling, it's typically something that we see so often in session. And it's a very normal thing, but they feel like they're the only one who's experiencing this. And I think the other good part about sharing your feelings, especially with people who are your friends and family, if you're struggling with imposter syndrome, you have this inappropriate and negative view of yourself. But then when you share this with your friends and family, they're going to be able to say, well, no, that's not how I see you. I see you as this and I see your accomplishments this way. And these are things that I see that are good about you. Now, you do have to be careful because your initial knee-jerk reaction is going to be to argue with them about, well, that's not good because, of... and you got to stop yourself because a part of this process is working to allow yourself to accept the good about yourself. And so when they say that, you got to know going in, okay, they're going to say these things. I'm going to want to argue, but I'm going to bite my tongue. And you may even want to write these things down and then use it as a way to then recall back. And when you're struggling with imposter syndrome, say, well, no, these things are true about me. Somebody else sees and believes these. And even though my mind is saying, well, that's not good because of this, that, or the other thing, I'm going to stop myself and I'm just going to focus on these positive things. Because again, if you're struggling with imposter syndrome, 
your danger is never going to be being arrogant. Your danger is going to be thinking too low of yourself. And so the solution for you is thinking more highly about yourself, focusing more on those accomplishments, and then thinking more about how other people view you and trying to bring your view of yourself to be more in line with what reality is. Because that's the truth. If you have imposter syndrome, you don't view yourself how reality sees you. You're off kilter from reality. And then trying to use other people's view of you to help you realign your belief system, even though it's uncomfortable and may feel fake or feel like a lie, is actually more of what the truth is about you. Yeah, and I would agree that, especially if you're seeing a pattern, you know, I could see that if you ask someone, well, what do you think of me in this area? That it could feel like that one person is just appeasing you. But if you see a consistent pattern in your life where people are saying things about you in a certain area and your accomplishments and who you are as a person, then that's something that I would begin to shift to help you see things from a more realistic perspective. The next one is to reframe your thoughts. And so I kind of was just talking about this a little bit ago, but basically what you're trying to do is you're trying to take your negative automatic thoughts and you're trying to shift them or move them into another more positive direction. And so there's this guy I really like, he does workouts, his name's Tony Horton, and he's talking about pull-ups and he's saying, don't say you can't do pull-ups, say I currently struggle with. Because if you say I can't do pull-ups, you're not even going to try to do it. But if you say I currently struggle with, you're leaving the possibility that you then could be good at them. And so even a little reframe like that can totally change how your mind approaches something. Or I had another coach and we would be complaining about a practice and we'd be like, this practice sucks. And he'd say, you can't say this practice sucks. He'd say, you have to say this practice is below average. And even right now saying that, it brings a smile to my face because it's funny, right? When you say it sucks, though, there's this visceral response and it makes you feel worse. But when you say, well, that practice is below average, right? It doesn't have that visceral negativity to it. You're still expressing kind of the same idea, but you feel wildly different about it. And so if you can reframe how you're thinking or saying things about yourself, or your accomplishments, it can help you to feel differently about those accomplishments. And number four is to identify and challenge your inner critic. And so when you recognize those negative beliefs and the negative self-talk, the inner critic is beginning to rise up in you, you need to be able to call it out and to see things for what they are and what truth is. Because there's a lot of lies around us. And there's a lot of lies within you in those negative beliefs and those negative self-talk that you're allowing yourself to believe. So you need to call it out with truth. And oftentimes we are so mean to ourselves and we give so much grace to other people, but we don't allow ourselves to give ourselves the same amount of grace. And so ask yourself if you would say that kind of thing to a friend. And if not, then remind yourself to be kind to yourself like you would be to someone else. And a really good book that I like is Lies Women Believe and the Truth That Sets Them Free. And that's by Nancy DeMoss. And I actually just bought the Lies Girls Believe and the Truth That Sets Them Free. And I'm going to go through that with my oldest daughter. So I'm excited to start that with her. Yeah, and I think challenging that inner critic, I think you can challenge it boldly. If you do it so gently, like so before when I was talking about reframing, It was kind of like incremental process. But when you're challenging that inner critic, it's you want to do a full stop kind of a thing. My mom actually has a saying that I like uh, that I think is a very powerful type of saying. 
But just to give you an idea of the direction you should go with that is like, if she hears something that she thinks is false or inaccurate, sometimes she'll use a saying, she'll say, that's a lie straight from the pit of hell. And I like that because it's a very strong and bold statement. And so when you're thinking negatively about yourself, when you have that inner critic or that kind of devil on your shoulder, casting these aspersions on you, challenge that boldly, challenge that inner critic boldly and say, that's a lie straight from the pit of hell. And it gives you this certain sense of confidence or strength saying something along those lines, as opposed to, well, I don't think that's true, or I don't think that's fair. That's coming more from a weak stance. And if you're trying to challenge that inner critic, you're really just trying to shut it down. Because again, your danger, if you're really struggling with that imposter syndrome, is not that you're going to ever think too highly of yourself. You're always going to be thinking too lowly. And so even though some of these things may feel out of character for you and uncomfortable, you don't have to worry that you're going to flip the dial in the other direction. The next one is celebrate your achievements. Instead of diminishing your success as luck or timing, take time to celebrate them and really kind of bask in the experience. And even though, again, it may feel uncomfortable, it may feel awkward, it may feel distasteful for you, a part of that is if you don't enjoy that achievement, if you don't enjoy the fruits of your labor, you're not likely to put in the effort again to get that achievement. And so when you really kind of just squash that great feeling you could get from those achievements, you're not doing yourself a favor. You're actually removing the benefit from the work you did, which makes it less likely that you'll put in the work later. Because why? Well, I didn't get anything good out of it. I didn't get a return. Even though you did get a return, you just rejected that return. And I think just to add on to celebrating your achievements, make sure that you're not doing this all or nothing thinking where if I didn't do everything perfect, then nothing counts. You really have to celebrate those small achievements and the small wins along the way. It makes me think of in this homeschool group that we're a part of, we meet for 24 weeks and there's something called Memory Master. And it's a really great accomplishment. And if they want to do that, they have to show that they've mastered the memory work for every single subject that we've done over the 24 weeks. And so this is our first year being in it. And I knew that we weren't going to go for it. But at the very end of our year, our director had said, hey, we'll also do subject master. So at the very end, my daughter was like, oh, I could totally do this subject. And so she studied for it and she got it. And that was such a great thing and such a wise thing for our director to implement because it really is kind of this all or nothing thinking that I think we could go throughout the school year, not necessarily not memorizing things because my kids have learned a lot this year. But as far as the specific achievement and goal of Memory Master, it was this all or nothing thinking where I wasn't going to drill them on everything because I knew that we weren't going for it. But then when she implemented the Subject Master, I love it because it celebrates the achievements of whatever specific areas. It's not this all or nothing thinking. And that's what she said. I want to be able to celebrate the things that they do know. And I think that is so important. So be careful of this all or nothing thinking because it can really keep you from accomplishing things, but also you miss out on the joy of the things you have accomplished. Now, if all of this sounds too overwhelming and impossible for you and you would like to do it on easy street, then we would suggest exactly what we did last night, which is find yourself a nice EMDR therapist and then work through this negative belief systems that are causing you to have imposter syndrome. And then it will make it much easier for you to, instead of having to fight against it all the time, to just eliminate it and be able to start believing more positive things about yourself. 
All right, you guys, thank you so much for listening to the series on imposter syndrome. As we've talked about understanding what imposter syndrome is, we talked about the five types of imposter syndrome, what are some signs and symptoms, as well as how to deal with and overcome imposter syndrome. We hope that this series has been helpful for you. And if you know of anyone who could benefit from it, definitely share this show with them. All right, you guys, thank you so much for joining us. Have a great day. And remember, your mind is a powerful thing. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. If you enjoyed this podcast or found it helpful, we'd love for you to take some time and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. If you have a question or a topic you'd like discussed in future episodes, visit our Facebook group, Mr. and Mrs. Therapy Podcast, and let us know. Disclaimer, although we are mental health providers, this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide diagnosis or treatment. Please seek professional help if you're struggling with persistent mental health issues, chronic marital issues, or call the National Suicide Hotline at 988 if you are contemplating suicide.